our podcast this week. The Force is with us as we bring this podcast to you from Star Wars Celebration Europe 2016. Plus, the BFG himself, Mark Rylance, gets his twitchly figlers around our microphones as we speak to him. All that unusual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that tried to find a Star Wars quote for this bit. But frankly, I'm tired and I couldn't find a Star Wars quote that summed up tiredness and exhaustion. That's not something that happens in Star Wars. It doesn't. Everyone's no. like ebullient and up for it and always fighting the, you know, I was going to say fighting the rebellion, uh, but oh my goodness. I'm, I'm on the other. You monster. I'm on the, the, the side of the good guys. Uh-huh. The Empire. Oh. The mighty Empire. That's controversial. Uh, hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to this very, very special, regular, slightly late edition of the Empire Podcast, uh, brought to you from a very quiet room at the XL London, which is where Star Wars Celebration Europe 2016 is taking place. Um, we have a pop-up office here. I don't know whether you guys or anyone who listens to the podcast has been to Celebration this week. A lot of people have come up to us and, and said nice things, which is lovely. Uh, and because of the pop-up office, which started on Friday, uh, and various other preparations for Star Wars Celebration Europe, we weren't able to get our regular podcast out on time. We weren't able to record it um, before now. So apologies if you were expecting to pop up on Friday. Hopefully the Star Trek special that dropped into your your uh, podcast feed on Friday, hopefully that will have tidied you over. And there's a Ghostbusters spoiler special coming next week as well. But this is the regular pod. Think of it as a nice little regular bonus Yes. Yeah. Hopefully. It's a departure from tradition, and there's another departure from tradition here as well, because uh, this is a two-person pod. Wow. Only one colleague of Lethal Cunning has joined me today, uh, because we're so snowed, we're so flat out. It is Sunday, and I think, frankly, not many people have come in so far as well. This is, what, 10 o'clock in the morning? Everybody's very tired. Everyone's very tired. Uh, So uh, this may be more rambling than usual as well. Uh, But as you can see, it is our geek queen, a lady who thinks of Star Wars. You know, it's okay. It's okay, Star Wars, but it could be improved with the addition of maybe a dragon, maybe a couple of topless Winchesters. (laughs) Maybe a bottomless Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Whoa, whoa, Who knows? Whoa, hey, hey. Who hey. knows? Max that meal. Uh, uh, it's Helen O'Hara. <laughs> Hello. I think I mean, everything could be improved by dragons. I meant bottomless know. in the way that you get a bottomless drink at Nando's. That's what I meant. I didn't mean okay. his trousers were off. I Gosh, I hope not. That I would be wrong. Like a Jeffrey Dean Morgan that goes on forever. <laughs> That sounds complicated. A refillable Jeffrey Dean Morgan. A refillable Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Gosh, well, that's a lot to think about, I think, for all of us. That's a concept, isn't it? (laughs) There's something to wrestle with at 10 o'clock. It's really too early. (laughs) There's something about being in this place, which is just exhausting. We we were all talking about this this morning. You get home at at 10 o'clock at night and you just want to sleep. I very nearly crawled under the desk yesterday and went for a nap. but it's been awesome though, hasn't it? It's, it's been, been great. It's been wonderful. Um, many of you listeners and readers have been coming up to us and saying hello. Uh, we've been chatting with some of you. You're all fabulous and wonderful and witty and, and, and frankly better than other people. Um, so that's been great. And uh, we had Anthony Daniels pop by the booth yesterday, do a Q&A. We had Warwick Davis visit us on Friday. Um, we've been doing some quizzes and some games and people have been very up for that, even though they've been obviously shambolic on our part. Mm-hmm. So Oh, it's been it's been absolutely fantastic, and of course, I've also had the chance to go around and buy my family's Christmas presents. So, Colin and Maria, you are in luck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really do that here. Any anything <laughs> I buy here is for myself. I, I got a really cool. I got a Chewbacca T-shirt because I'm a Chewbacca Obviously, nerd, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I got a. Um, and you'll appreciate this as a as a card carrying Irish passport holding uh, Republican, but I got a Boy. a Star Wars celebration T shirt with the uh, British flag on it, the Union Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be around much longer, so we have the Union Jack with an X wing in the middle because it's in Britain. Uh-huh. That's why it's, I, it, I don't think there's any. 
you know, yeah. political overtones of that T-shirt. I, I would hope not. Well, yeah. I think everything has political overtones right now, but hopefully not that. Absolutely. So, uh, so here we are, um, and this is going to be a slightly truncated podcast as well because we're we're, we're needed down on the uh, the floor of the show. But uh, but yeah, so we're going to get through it. We're going to try and make this as 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 formulaic as possible, if that's <laughs> if that's a good thing. So um, I've I've asked on my Twitter account uh, for some questions. Okay. So we're going to let's take a couple. Shall we take a yeah, couple? Yeah, let's do it. Let's There's do only it. two of us. Let's go Star Wars questions. Sure. Okay. So apologies if you're not a Star Wars fan, but here we're here at Star Wars, so we might as well. So, which Star Wars character? This is from Nandy Selson at Nandy Selson. Mm-hmm. Which Star Wars character would you most like to go out for a drink with? The answer is Han Solo. Oh, you mean like not a date? Then the answer is <laughs> I don't know. Um, it might still be Han Solo. I feel like he's got... No, no, you know what? If it's just like a friendly drink, it would mm-hmm. be Leia. I feel like she has some stories. She does have some stories. And, and I'm absolutely 100% confident that she would be a hilarious drinking buddy. Yeah. I, I want to know more about what happened with her and Han. I mean, I, I you know... Chris? Let's assume that everyone here who's listening to this has seen The Force Awakens. Let's assume that everyone here has seen... I say everyone here, there's two of us, but everyone listening to the <laughs> podcast has has seen the third most popular movie of all time. Okay, sure. so let's assume that everyone knows that that you know in that movie Han and Leia are no longer an item, and I, I assume it that you know having their son be an unstoppable you know, Sith killing machine or want to be Sith killing machine or just killing machine uh, probably had a lot to do with that. It it might not have solidified their union, certainly. But I yeah. also like to think Chewbacca played a part. You think? You think? No, he would never. No, he wouldn't, Chris. And she wouldn't, probably. Oh, Although that any, might explain... about her. <gasps> wow. That might explain why they didn't hug at the end. <laughs> <laughs> might explain why Chewie was so pissed off <laughs> when thing happened. You are a monster. You're an I'm actual just monster. I'm just saying. And you can read all about it in my 63-page <laughs> slash fiction. <laughs> Han and Chewie. It's, it's really rather beautiful. Up a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Up a tree. Um, so that was from Nandy Selson. Uh, at Straffo asks, who do you hope Ray's parents are? Well, I don't know anymore. Um, I had lots of sort of theories, and I think some of them have fallen by the wayside. I mean, I kind of felt like Kylo was reacting to news of a girl in a, in a particularly personal way. So I felt like there might be some kind of connection there. But I feel like if it was a sister or if there was that possibility that somebody might have mentioned it, even in passing. So I don't think it's that. So, yeah, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm still just intrigued and, and unknowledgeable about it, I'll yeah. be honest. Well, we'll find out. But, well, we, we may not find out. They may reveal it in episode nine or Yeah, or never, 10, or, or may or not never. be a thing. You know? uh, or they may reveal it in a comic book like they did with, uh, was it uh, Steve Peele's Red Arm, Three Peele's Red Arm? Yes, that was a that, was a, that was a comic book thing. Uh, so you never know. But uh, my personal hope is that it's characters we haven't met yet, because you know there's a, there's a criticism of the Star Wars universe that it's ever shrinking and mm-hmm. everyone knows each other and everyone seems to be related to each other in some way. Uh, and also, uh, you know, I, I have issues, as you know, with the the uh, role that Luke Skywalker played in the Force Awakens. This is not a Force Awakens spoiler special, sure. so we're not going to get into it. But and I just feel that if he is her father, then leaving her behind on Jakku was unforgivable. Yeah. Um, and if it's Han and Leia, then that's also that's really weird as well. Yeah, I, th- I feel like somebody would have mentioned it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like there would have been that, and now we've lost both our children or something. Yeah. You know, like something would have been said. Yeah. I, I don't think it is Leia because I'm pretty sure, I, I'm pretty sure that J.J. Uh, Abrams said that he actually regrets um, I may be putting words in his mouth, but I'm pretty sure that 
someone said that that uh, they regret having ha- uh, Leia and Ray hug at the end of the Force Awakens. Oh, interesting. Because a that made people think that maybe there's a familiar, familiar connection there, and also because they literally only just met. <laughs> um, so it's a bit weird. Um, okay, so uh, at Dark Bunny Tees. I think creator I know them. of excellent t-shirts. Yeah. What's the laziest or most mundane thing that you'd use the force for? <laughs> That's a great question. Mm. Um, Recording podcasts. <laughs> lifting heavy things. Yeah. Tidying my house. I always, I always pretend that I'm using it to open doors. Right. Yes. I've seen you do that. That's um, true. I'm either... Uh, a Jedi or Magneto in my head. Y- yes. At that point, I wave my that hand. That explains a lot. I wave actually. my hand at the door. But you have different hand waves. I do have different hand waves. Depending on whether you're a Magneto Jedi. or a Jedi. Yeah, Jedi will do that. Magneto, I'll just hold my hand up. Yeah. But I'll, I'll wave with the, uh, the the Jedi wave. Yes. But um, so I, I would act, I would actually do it, but mm. no one would know I was doing it. So I would just get like a little smug a little frisson. smile. A little frisson. <laughs> you know, I would have a little cheeky smile. Uh, I'd be showing up on CCTV they go why is that guy smiling and then I'd become a person of interest and they'd watch me around Sainsbury's yeah uh, do you know what I might try and use it can, can you use it to commute like could you just you know I don't think you can move yourself although obviously in, in Phantom Menace where the Jedi's powers are so nebulous and seem to be made up on the on the spot no there's that bit where uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon just suddenly super run down the corridor do you remember that bit yeah you see that would be cool that would be a good way to get into work yeah. I mean, no, we've never seen a Jedi do that. I mean, obviously, we only see the Jedi, really. We see Yoda and, and Ben, who are at the end of their lives, and we see Luke, who's at the beginning mm. of his training. So we never really see a Jedi and do full yeah. extent of their abilities until Phantom Menace. Then you're kind of going, oh, they can do they can do that. Wow, they're like Steve they and Bucky. That. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but <gasps> Steve better. and Bucky are the Jedi. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. Um, should we have one more? Yeah, sure. One more. Uh, at Specky Queer... Uh, K-W-E-E-R uh, asks what's a Spock? Oh well this weekend I don't know <laughs> <laughs> ask me on Monday then I'll know uh, Ad Obi-Moo asks who should Jeff Goldblum play in Star Wars? Oh hello Obi-Moo um, he should play anything he wants I was just watching him actually in Kimmy Schmidt last last night, where he was magnificent. I mean, yes, obviously Jedi. He has that, you know, that that mm. calmness. Mm. But on mm. the other hand, he he's weird enough to be anything. Mm. 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 Maybe we mm. can recast Snoke. Maybe it's not too late. I was literally going to say Snoke. Were you? Yeah. Can you imagine a Snoke dialogue scene with Jeff Goldblum? We're going for days. Mm. 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 They never got off Starkiller Base. Because he'd have been basically going, they'd be going. Should we should we leave now? Because it's about to explode. And he'd be going, mm, explode, mm, isn't, mm, isn't it? Mm. But he's tall. They wouldn't even need the CG. They could save a fortune. They could. They could. He is the tall guy. Um, all right. To hell with it. A couple more. Um, Swiss Yellow says you've got ten days R and R from the show. Which uh, <laughs> love the idea that we get a holiday from this thing. Which uh, Star Wars location do you go to stay uh, at for a holiday? Um, I, w- I would like to go to Tunisia. Um, I've I've seen those pictures and they're astonishing. And- I would like to go there. Uh, and Felicity Kate asks, I think this one may be for you, Helen. If Sam and Dean were put into the world of Star Wars, who would be evil and who would save the world? <laughs> They'd take turns every season. 
<laughs> Even I get that reference because yeah, I've looked go. up some of the yeah. spoilers. Uh, right. Okay. That's uh, our questions. As ever, if you want to have your questions read out in the Empire podcast, don't tweet me. This is a one off. Uh, tweet the Empire Twitter account at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast. We won't see it. You can uh, Facebook us as well, Robert Empire Magazine. And you can email us podcast at empireonline.com. Should we do some movie news? Let's do it. Let's yes. do some movie news. So we should start with Star Wars, I guess. Why should we start with Star Wars, Helen? Because that's not getaways the podcast. <laughs> well, we can finish with Star Wars. No, let's start with no, Star Wars. Start with Star Wars. Um, so we've been here all weekend. Obviously, one of the first panels and one of the big hot tickets on Friday was the Rogue One panel where the cast came out, um, director Gareth Edwards, Kathleen Kennedy, the whole gang uh, presented sort of behind the scenes kind of sizzle reel sizzle um, for the film. So there was actually a lot of new material in there. There were some gorgeous, gorgeous shots. I got very hyped after seeing that. I mean, obviously, I, yeah. I was looking forward to the film before, but um, but now I'm, I'm like, more so. Yeah. Um, and, and it looks really beautiful. The locations look incredible. Performances look really good. It's a brilliantly mixed cast, and they just have such different energies and such different mm-hmm. kind of a feel to them that I'm, I'm really excited about what, how they work together and how that kind of dynamic plays out. I'm very excited, too. You know what I'm most excited about? What's that? You said the word sizzle reel, and I immediately became hungry. And <laughs> And there's a concession stand downstairs that's selling sausage baps. We're going to stay here for a little bit longer, Chris, and just finish this podcast. Okay? Oh, I thought we we're done. We're done. No, we're not done. quite. Not quite. Sausage. Um, so, so yeah. So that was that was really exciting. There was a massive spoiler dropped in the middle of the panel. <laughs> okay? Really was. Um, now I, I imagine at this point, if you go online and try and watch it, they've cut that out, frankly. But there was a, there's an amazing reaction gif um, of Alan Tudyk's. Uh, where he sort of tries to swallow himself whole sitting next he, to the person who dropped the spoiler. Yeah, he didn't give the spoiler yeah. away. Um, but but just hearing it, he, you can see him fold up on himself. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, so the, so, there, so do beware of that spoiler. Do try to avoid it. It is out there. Yes. Um, it involves a character death. It does. But we will say no more. So a it character was. dies uh, in the film. But I, I think this is a good thing. I really do. I feel, you know, that um, the, 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 the way the story lines up, a group of people try and steal the plans for the Death Star. It feels a bit like a war movie to me. It feels a bit like a Dirty Dozen film. It doesn't feel like another uh, a normal episode. So I'd be quite happy to see uh, a fair amount of death in this one. I'd be uh, I'd you be, monster. No, but I just I just feel that sometimes the stakes should be higher. Yeah. We talk about this an awful lot with the Marvel universe as well. Um, and the idea, um, you know, I've, obviously we've also said that death does not equate good storytelling. But it would be nice, I think. In a movie of this type, with the stakes are this high, uh, and you know some noble sacrifices and some tragic losses, I think are the order of the day, yeah. uh, the first order of the day, oh, if you goodness. will. Um, so I'm 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 excited about it, and uh, of course, recently there were rumours that there might be some reshoots in Rogue One mm. to maybe soften its edges. Uh, I hope that's not the case. Well, I think there's. I, mean, I, I think reshoots are an increasingly normal part of the filming making process, to be honest. Mm. And so I think we we should probably stay calm even when we hear that story. So. So, yeah, let's hope that it's nothing to worry about and that it's just, you know, some pickups mm. and some, some tidyings up. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 that what we saw looked fantastic. We're very, very excited right now. We should also mention as well that obviously we're recording this on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're fully aware that the future of Star Wars panel takes place towards the end of the day. But, frankly, we, we can't wait yeah. to record the podcast. Uh, otherwise, we would never get it up uh, next week. So, um I'm sure there's going to be amazing news coming from that. I would not be surprised to see. Let's see how much we can get right. 
Okay. Okay. Would not be surprised to see a rogue uh, in episode eight sizzle reel, uh, Ryan Johnson bringing out some of the cast. I would also expect something along those lines, yes. Uh, maybe we'll get to meet some of the new cast members, the likes of Benicio Del Toro. You never know. That would be exciting. You never know. Uh, I would not be surprised to see uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, the directors of the Han Solo movie, bring out their Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, because... It's not actually been officially confirmed that he's been cast. There were lots of, uh, he's got the role, reports in the trades. There were lots of, he's in talks. But as far as I can tell, unless I missed it, uh, although there hasn't been an official 100% yes, Alden Ehrenreich is Han Solo. Wow. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring in and bring him out. Uh, wouldn't it be a surprise if it wasn't him after all this? <laughs> if they do go, please welcome Han Solo. And it is Taron Egerton or, uh, or Jack Rayner or someone else. Oh, but which reminds me, I've got to be somewhere at four o'clock. Really? But yeah. where, Chris? You didn't um, mention that I've, before. I've, That's I'm, a... I'm, I'm, I've got to be on stage somewhere. Wait, hang on a second. You don't mean to tell me that you're on a different stage while they're announcing Han <laughs> <Yes>. Solo. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm man solo. <laughs> I'm in a room of my own just crying. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's Chris, sad. it's funny. It's funny because it's depressingly true. <laughs> I'll be honest. You're already older than Han- than Harrison Ford was. I just don't think that you can play young Han Solo. They can do an awful lot these days with CG and personal trainers. <laughs> they I really no would part need of it. to. <laughs> they would need to, wouldn't they? Oh dear. But I do rock a waistcoat, so I have that going for I've me. I've always at least. said that. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, what else? So yeah, so it was huge news from that. Then you know. Don't shout at us for not having it. Um, and Rebels, there was some Rebels season three news yes, yesterday was. as well. Yes, there was. Grand Admiral Thrawn, he of the blue skin and spiffy white uniform, is going to be in Rebels season mm. three. And I think everyone is extremely excited about that. I think when they sort of cancelled the canonicity, that's a word, of the, exte- <laughs> of the extended universe, uh, I think he was one of the elements that people find yes. hardest to let go. And I think you find they fired him out of a cannon. They f- wow, that's- that seems... Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. It was, a, it was a play on. Well, it was a play on words. Um, so he's back in uh, into Star Wars Rebels, which of course is canon. So that is very exciting, and it gives them a, a seriously formidable bad guy to to yeah. work against. So. Absolute mondo. Excellent, excellent news for Star Wars Rebels. I have to say, I didn't get into the panel to see the first couple of <laughs> this episodes. Is an amazing find the other night. <laughs> we, we were working, it was fine. We but, have been um, working. but yes, uh, one of our colleagues, Chris Lupton, was there and he came back with just a huge grin on his face, absolutely raving about it. Yeah. I think Star Wars Rebels had, a, had a, an, a, an okay, a good, a solid start in season one, but it's just been, you know completely kicking it up a level with each season since and this looks to be no exception so yeah really exciting news here absolutely um so that should be that's that's the star wars stuff out of the way yeah all good everyone's happy um and let's talk about some stuff that's not star wars but it's kind of star warsy okay we're gonna stay in space so let's talk about guardians too because this week they released uh some concept art the first concept art from the movie which is out next year i'm sure we'll be seeing some finished stuff soon comic con takes place next week neither you or i are going to be there which is very very sad Indeed, but uh, the Comic Con is is going to struggle to get through without us. I don't know. I'm frankly amazed they haven't cancelled. I'll be honest. Yeah, um, I, I thought they might when they knew we weren't going to be there. Because what even is the point? I'd sold out Hall I. <laughs> that's that's that, that's which is again the broom closet next to Hall H, which is just <laughs> going to be me in the broom closet sobbing. Um, but yeah, at least I sold it out to myself. 
Right, yes, anyway, that explains I'm not going. Uh, but Comic-Con's happening next week, so there's going to be loads of stuff happening at Comic-Con. Uh, there's going to be Guardians and Doctor Strange and uh, Star Trek and all sorts of stuff, so it's going to be very, very exciting. So they released some concept art ahead of that. Uh, well, what's interesting about this concept art is that the Guardians in it are together with Nebula, mm-hmm. uh, Karen Gillan's character, and uh, Michael Rooker's Yondu, yep. who, of course, was last seen threatening to kill Peter Quill. Um, although he did it oh, sort of, a he did bit. a fatherly smile at the end. He was yeah. quite happy with his antics and stuff. Uh, and then the new character Mantis. So the the, the lineup of the uh, the Guardians seems to be changing. And Baby Groot still there still on Drax's adorable. shoulder. How yeah. that's going to factor in? When you have a character that small. It's going to be very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocket, the smaller than Rocket. It's a, I like the look of it. I'm intrigued by this movie. I think it's. I'm hopeful for this movie. I'm, so yeah, yeah, I'm proper excited about it. I think the the first one was. Um, you know, I think was it you was calling it the best Star Wars, Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi, but it it, it does have a, some of that kind of space gonzo craziness that I think we mm. all want to see. And I uh, still stand by that claim. How dare you? Mm. Um, but it is no, it was it was incredibly good fun and uh, and brilliantly sort of crazily conceived. It feels like you're on an alien world. It feels like you're in outer space, outer space, which is great. So I I, I can't wait to see it again. Don't worry, we're not going to turn this into a We Love Marvel podcast. We're going to talk about Star Trek next um, because uh, there was some news today that J.J. Abrams has has hinted or said or stated or been rumoured to have said that uh, Chris Hemsworth, George Kirk, uh-huh. will be returning for Star Trek 4. Or, let's be honest, it's not Star Trek 4. There's already Star Trek 4. But the next Star Trek, Star Trek 14. So the follow-up to Star Trek Beyond. Okay. So Star Trek Beyonder. Star Trek Beyonder. And now we're, that's a, another Star Trek Marvel crossover. But this is going to be a Star Trek Marvel crossover because it's Chris Hemsworth. It is, yeah. As, uh, as George Kirk. So intriguing. Yeah, presumably some kind of little flashback. I mean, not that he's actually a big star because he was kind of no one when he was cast as Captain Kirk uh, Sr. Um, so this is, this is pretty exciting to... Uh, to imagine what they'll do with him. Presumably they'll have him play an enormously stupid secretary if they have any sense. Um, but we can only hope. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so it's going to be time travel and apparently Abrams has said to Scott Mance who is an Access Hollywood film critic uh, he's confirmed to him that the movie will con- will bring the Chris's together. Oh, okay. So it might be some time travel. Time travel. Are they going to do like a Yesterday's Enterprise thing and sort of mess with the timelines and bring people back to life and such. more so than they already have I don't, it's, oh, it's intriguing this is yeah you know, the timeline of this of this, this trek is bacon noodle couldn't it Ooh. it really could but uh, just think of all that that Chris handsomeness that's a lot of Chris I mean that that's like 50% of your hot movie Chris's in yeah. one film right there uh, and then it's uh, Chris Pratt and me Making up the other fifty percent, he makes up the other forty nine point nine 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 percent, and I'm off in a brim club or weeping with the other zero point zero 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 one percent. Yes. Yeah. Don't deny it. Don't deny it. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Can we can we say can we use a Star Wars quote to to end the Star Trek? News story Apparently bit. we can. Apparently um, we can. A little tiny bit of, of other big movie news. Um, King Arthur uh, <laughs> is the film of that Guy Ritchie is making, obviously, with yes. um, Charlie Hunnam in the lead role. Mm-hmm. Um, the film's already been knocked back a little bit. It was going to be out around now, and it's now yes. not going to be out until next March uh-huh. as they fine-tune it and everything else. But it was uh-huh. originally called... 
Knights of the Round Table colon King Arthur. Yes. Because it was designed as the first of a series and then you'd have Knights of the Round Table Lancelot, Knights of the Round Table Bedivere, whoever else. Mm. Um, it's now been changed and it's called King Arthur colon Legend of the Sword. Oh, I was hoping for Lockstock and Two Smoking Arthurs. I mean, that would be... I mean, that is essentially, I think, the tone they're going for. It's a better title. Yeah, there's there's a lot of... I mean, this is a very sort of down-to-earth geezer version of Arthur. Is it? He grows up in Londinium. Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, uh, oh, in the big city. Uh, he has a bit of a protection racket, I think, going on. Does he fight Sir Germans? <laughs> he does not fight the Germans. He fights, of course, his uncle, King Vortigern, who is played by Jude Alan Law. Alan Ford. Jude Law. Oh, yeah. Put so the kettle on Errol. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? If he just remade Snatch, but with... <laughs> but with I mean, King remade Arthur. it. I mean, literally remade Snatch, almost line for line. It would be amazing in the sense King of being Arthur. surprising. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I don't know how to feel about this movie. Uh, I feel like putting it back as far as they did sends alarm bells ringing through my system. There were, listen, they were planning a lot of very, very big scale battle scenes that involved quite a lot of CG and um, some some very crazy out there stuff it would take time to get that right and it's probably best that they do take time to get that right if that mm-hmm. is what the delay is uh, and also if they are serious about this being the launch of a franchise then they obviously want to take time and get that first film as, as strong as it can possibly be um, because we all know what's happened in the past when people have gotten far down the line of planning three or four or five or six films but not actually made the first one good so presumably they're focusing on making the first one good how tactfully put. <laughs> I'm hopeful. Come on. It's, it, it, it might be great. Listen, uh, I don't want any film to be bad. I, I don't think that the, 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 the numerous name changes doesn't inspire confidence. Pushing it back doesn't inspire confidence. The first images don't inspire confidence. Uh, you're, you're tough. I man. like Guy Ritchie. I like him a lot. Uh, you know, yeah. Except when he spectacularly goes off the rails. And I hope this isn't one of those situations. Fingers crossed. I think Fingers this, crossed. Uh, he's, he's definitely trying not to. Um, just very quickly before okay. we finish then, um, Oscar Isaac is working with Steven Spielberg. So the f- Star Wars um, actor, uh, and this is, you know, I'm tying things together, is going to play a role in the kidnapping of Edgardo Mortara, it appears. Now, that is a film title that should probably change before it hits cinemas. Um, but he'll star opposite Mark Rylance, tying it into today's guest. Oh, my God. You just um, you set it up amazingly. Thank you. Uh, and uh, it's a story of sort of uh, religion meeting politics in the 1850s Italy after a young Jewish boy was forcibly taken from his family to be raised as a Christian after having been secretly baptised by a a servant in their house. Um, So it it became a a power struggle between the papacy who were asserting their right to, to, in their their minds, save this Christian child from his Jewish heritage Mm -hmm. and obviously the parents' right to raise their son. Um, So it became a huge cause celebre, um, changed politics across Europe, really. And uh, and it will see Mark Rylance play the Pope. And Isaac's role isn't clear yet, but I would imagine he might be... The he, could be the f- he could be the father of the family. He could yeah. be, you know, virtually anyone. So we shall see. Absolutely. Keep an eye on that one. Uh, Spielberg, he's busy at the moment. He's really busy. Yeah, he's got Ready Player One first, and guy. then this will be his film after that. All right. So keep an eye out for that one. Okay, that's it for movie news. Let's uh, have this week's guest. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned him already. It is Mark Rylance, who is considered, I think, by many to be not one of the world's greatest actors, but the world's greatest actor. And that's largely because of his stage work. He has not shunned movies. He's been in movies in the past, notably Intimacy in 2001. Uh, and he was in Blitz with Jason Statham, of course, in 2011. And who can forget his role last year as Cox in The Gunman 
<laughs> which I wow, think is the pinnacle I, I, of, of all those people's yeah. careers. He was also Elba and Ray Winston. Bridge of Spies, that was quite good. I'm getting to that. I'm yeah, building okay. to that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but you've seen them. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm building these sorry, things. I'm yeah, sorry. Don't worry, there's sorry. an art to these intros. Uh-huh. It's fine. <laughs> Even though I'm completely ad-libbing it, it's all good. Um, and you've seen him on stage, haven't you? I have. I saw Jerusalem, uh, which was utterly astonishing. Um, that was, I think, more than anything else, the play that made his reputation and uh, yeah, blew me away, completely blew me away. I have not had the pleasure. Uh, but of course, uh, he has been stepping up his film and TV work Recently, he was in Wolf Hall last year, uh, and of course, he won an Oscar for his collaboration with Steven Spielberg, A Bridge of uh, A Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies. Uh, he won the Oscar this year, beating Sylvester Stallone, uh, Sylvester Stallone's brother Frank, uh, to the little gold guy, and that's that's sort of set him off on a sort of lovely collaboration with Steven Spielberg. He is going to be in Ready Player One. He's going to be in the kidnapping of Edgar Mortora, as you just heard, and he is a BFG in yes. uh, next week's adaptation of the Roald Dahl novel uh, and he is fantastic in that film as well uh, we sent our Nick Dissemian along yesterday to a top London hotel to speak to the Oscar winning legend that is Mark Rylance enjoy we are delighted to have uh, the big friendly giant himself, Mark Rylance, on the Empire Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm very big, thanks. <laughs> you're very big. <laughs> Not as big as I expected after watching the film. No, but. I know. Well, you're bigger than I expected, too. I thought you'd be rather small. Okay, okay. Well, I, I don't hear that very often. Um, so this is your second collaboration with Steven Spielberg, with two more on the way. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I'd, I'd like to know how you first met. Was it in a kind of meet cute situation or how did that work no I'm afraid I I met him first of all in 1987 and turned him down twice on a film called Empire of the Sun and uh, and and thought many times well that was that's probably the last time I'll meet Steven Spielberg but uh, then lo and behold it it wasn't and what was the role in Empire of the Sun that you were going to play I don't remember I don't remember. I remember it was a small role, first of all, and then he offered me a larger role. I was 27 at the time, so it would have been one of those roles that a 27-year-old could play. Mm. I mean, and even back then, he was Steven Spielberg, one of the biggest directors in the world, so that must have been a tricky decision to make, It was a very tricky decision, and yes, he was. He was a very, very, just as powerful a director then as he is now. Yeah. And I read that you, you kind of haven't used the I Ching which is, uh, could you explain that for our listeners, what that is? You, you, you use that to make to help you make decisions. The I Ching is a very ancient Chinese book that describes, it means the way things change, how things change. And um, it, it uh, Confucius has added to it, and many people before Confucius too added to, added just into the book observations of how seasons change, how weather changes, how animals change, how many different things change. And then they created this way of um, divining or taking a reading by throwing sticks. But you can do it with coins, uh, three coins. And, and you throw them six times, and you either get a solid line or a line with a, uh, a gap in the middle. So you can think of them as masculine and feminine lines. Mm. The, uh, so the, the, the six lines, there are 64 different uh, versions of that, of that you can throw. And, and each of those hexagrams, as they're called, uh, is then given a, a characteristic of, of the way something is changing. So when you throw the, the idea, according to Dr. Jung, who writes a really good explanation of it, is that all, everything is moving through time like, 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 um, <laughs> like water moving through a pipe. 
with bits of stuff in it, right? And when you throw your coins, that is part of everything else. Mm. So you, if you, you get a reading of how things are going at that moment for you, and if you ask a specific question, so you might say, where now if I do the Steven Spielberg film? Where now if I do this theater thing? You, you, you'll throw it and you'll get a, a hexagram. Mm. Now, it's not going to tell you exactly what's going to happen, but it, it, will, it will gather your thoughts. And uh, in terms of the question I asked, I can't remember what it said about the film, and I must look up in my notepads and say, but about the theatre, it said it came up for the, with the Hexcam community. And, um, and that I realised right away that that was one of the main reasons I got into acting was I felt a sense of community in the theatre when I was a very teenager I was welcomed in and, and we were all making something together all chipping in and making these plays building sets, making lighting everyone, it was, it was really fun and, uh, and then I became a professional actor and got interested in being a good actor and obviously and having to pay bills and all that kind of stuff and, and I'd forgotten no actually not, all that's nice stuff but the main thing is being in the community so I took the theatre job. Mm. Funnily enough, now working with Stephen now, I realise uh, of all the films I've ever been in, he, he makes the most sense of community in his films. Uh, so I might, not have, I might not have gone wrong if I'd gone with him at that time. But maybe he's developed as a director too. And do the two of you have a lot in common? As, as people, do you have interests in common with each other? I think we both love film. Mm. And we, we we're both very we, we're very curious about m many other subjects. Um, we're both very curious people. You know what? I, th I haven't thought this before, but because I was English living in the Midwest, and he was Jewish living in the further west, but still the Midwest, um, we both were felt like outsiders within that culture. So so we both were um, observers. We took part in things, but we, we also felt a little bit foreign and outside. And, and, and I think that's probably, that's probably partly where you develop the, um, the, the comfort being a storyteller, being someone who's observed things and has to kind of act, will yourself into being a participant. Because um, my parents maintained a very English sensibility in Wisconsin where we lived and and Stephen's uh, Stephen was very often the only Jewish kid in the schools that he attended mm. um, and made incredible use of, of film as a teenager dealing with bullies and people like this uh, anti-Semites and people like this he, he, it's amazing how he uh, used film to, uh, to turn situations around Sure. I guess I used acting to, uh, to, to help myself too. Yeah. And with the BFG, uh, was Stephen the main drawer or were you a big Roald Dahl fan? Uh, I, I loved Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I hadn't read a lot of Roald Dahl's books, I'm afraid. But I think, I think I, you know, I would, if Stephen offered me anything now, I would take it. I would take without it. reading it? Yeah. <laughs> you know I it's going to be good. I think I took good. RPO without reading it. Uh, that's Ready Player One. Yeah, that which they're doing is now. Yeah, and you're playing a kind of. You mentioned Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. There's a kind of an element of that to that story. I think. Yeah, having you're read right. The book. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Halliday, the creator of the whole thing. You're playing this kind of Willy Wonka-esque. Yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah, reclusive genius. Yeah, that's right. Howard Hughes type uh, reclusive genius. 
But I think I, I certainly in my mind, I think I probably just said when when Stephen came through and said it, that the problem was I was doing another film and it was whether we could find time to do both films. I just like being around him and around all the the very brilliant people who work on his films. Mm. One of my favorite things about the BFG is just the language that the BFG uses and that we've been using a bit in the office since seeing it that I particularly like Titchy Little Figglers I think is the one of the quick, <laughs> do, you have, do you have a favourite bit of uh, do you have a busted out even now Telly Telly Bunkum Box I like for the television <laughs> that's pretty telly, good Telly Telly Bunkum you put me in the Telly Telly Bunkum Box Jiggy Raff is a pretty good Jiggy one Jiggy Raff well. is yeah <laughs> are you asked a lot to, to bust out a bit of BFG I have I, I haven't been no I expect I will be now <laughs> <laughs> just me <laughs> and as a kind of a broader question, are you happy that you've become famous at this point in your life? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It can be confusing at times. Because you're very much in the in the spotlights. I guess Wolf Hall was, was the, the kind of the moment, wasn't it, where you were frost? Was that, was that right? Was that when you felt it happened? I guess so. I mean, it, it's all relative, isn't it? And, and in, in, the, in the smaller world of the theatre or at the, for like at the Globe for 10 years I was very much in the spotlight when I was there because I was artistic director everyone I was always known by you know everyone the security men were my friends the cleaners all the audiences that came many many thousands and thousands of people and then in the West End and Broadway I, I, I get I get recognised for my stage performances so in a smaller sense but there are many more tickets to sell for cinema, mm. so there's a lot more press, a lot more of what we're doing now. I don't read any of the things or listen to the things that people write about me or say about me, but I know there's a lot more being written and said. Mm. Um, to, and, and I guess I feel it's a little unfortunate that a lot of it has to be about my personal life in order, to, rather than just my work, but that's just part of the territory. Yeah, but I don't. When I meet people, I sometimes don't. I can see, oh, you've got, you've read something that's been reported. I've said it may be right, it may not be right, it may be half of what I meant. I'm not always able to express myself clearly. Anyway, that's why I'm an actor. So, I I, I sometimes have more of a guessing job about what people assume about me, or expect from me. Um, I know that I do that as I start to meet more film stars. I, I, I have to be careful not, not to um, believe what I'm told about them or what the gossip is about them. Or, you, know, you meet someone like Tom Cruise and there's so many different things about him that you've read and seen. But then he's actually a really nice guy, generous and doesn't ever mention Scientology to me and, you, you know... Just a really, really serious actor and uh, pleasant person to be with. So, so you, uh, pretty quickly, actually, I find I just drop what I've read and heard about people. I guess things can just blow up. And there was this strange moment after the Oscars where uh, Sylvester Stallone's brother, Frank Stallone, 
started tweeting and he was really furious that you had beaten his brother to the Oscar. I too. loved it, yeah. My brother was <laughs> my brother was going to respond. Oh, really? We left it too late. I loved it. He said, what, who is this guy? He can't even comb his hair. I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely a good call. How, you know, how annoying to have your, your, your brother who's really, you know, handsome, has great hair and is like muscle man. Yeah. I'm beaten by a kind of geeky guy like me. Yeah, I'd love to see a Rocky reboot with you now. <laughs> oh, I know. I've, I've meant to write to Sylvester because he was so, um, he's such a serious actor and physical actors like that don't get as much respect, I feel, as as sometimes, you know, the more, I don't know, psychological, intellectual actors. Uh, and yet, you know, the man has just worked and worked and worked his whole career. He's got steel plates from his injuries. He's He's so been so committed and created this 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 kind of archetypal character, as he said, because he won at the Golden Globes, mm. and he said, you know, this best friend I ever made, of 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 Rocky. So, um, and when you meet him, he's such a sweet, vulnerable guy. There was a great photo of the two of you at the Oscars. I remember yeah. seeing. What was that night like for you? That must oh, have been unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I'm just surprised people know me. You know, and that they are aware of me even. Like Sylvester at the Golden Globes came over to me afterwards and said, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm sorry I won, but, you know, it was really proud to meet you. <laughs> I can't believe it. So for me, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing of arriving in that world at 56 rather than at 22. Mm. Um, and I guess whenever you arrive in those worlds, you, you are looking around and going, wow, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. But I've had 56 years of watching these brilliant film actors and, and admiring what they do and not really knowing how they do what they do either. Uh, Has there been anyone you've crossed paths with that you felt starstruck by or anyone who really meant something to you growing up that you've been able to meet? Most all of them. Really? Meeting Harrison Ford. Yeah. Meeting Brian Cranston. Having watched Breaking Bad, mm. you know, seeing Kate Blanchett and the, the actresses are so under such pressure to watch the actresses, how they, how they move like, like wonderful ships, sailing boats in their incredible dresses, you know, and every eye is on them and their makeup and their hair has to be perfect and watch how um, they, they work those kind of events, those publicity, trade fairs, really. Pretty soon at the Oscars you see, oh, this is like a kind of cattle fair. Mm. Um, it's just to promote film, and there's lots of clips. It's, it's devised so that you get as many clips as possible, and that old intrigue about what's behind the curtain, who's behind the character, you draw on that to entice people. I, I wish that the public didn't take so seriously the competition and believe in it so seriously. It, to see it talked about on the front of the New York Times as a serious com the competition is just a game mm. and there's no truth to it at all but um, but the promoting of films is a good thing and t Sean Penn told me that Jack Nicholson you know accused him of being a, 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 a party pooper you know and a, a person with no pleasure in life when he was going to you know boycott the Academy Awards and I, I thought about it because I was feeling the same way I don't like my my work to be reduced to a competition I don't want to be in competition with other actors sure but but I could see Jack's uh, Nicholson's point of view that that uh, you know you should enjoy these things as best you can absolutely is it true that you crossed paths with the Coen brothers um, a while back that you auditioned for a serious man yeah 
Yeah, I did. It had a big effect on me when they didn't offer it to me. I, I was really upset, and I hadn't, I hadn't been upset for a while. I really wanted to work with them. Now I've become friends with Joel through Francis, and that's even really? nicer. <laughs> and even Ethan and I know a little bit now because they both wrote Bridge of Spies. But, but um, it's even more fun to have dinner with Joel and talk about Kurosawa and uh, <laughs> things that we love, you know. And, and uh, he'll come and see my plays and I go and see his films. And uh, that, that's just a thrill. They're such interesting people. Maybe we'll work together someday. But um, that, that doesn't matter. But at the time, at the time, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it made me get um, it made me get to film agents and managers and kind of commit to being a film actor. And then I had such a bad experience on a terrible film called Blitz that I quit <laughs> and, and said thank you very much to all of them and decided I wasn't going to be in film anymore. That was the Jason Statham movie. I actually visited the set of that, and uh, there were some unhappy actors on the set, as I recall. But um, you were one of them then. Yeah. Yeah. Jason's a nice guy. I got yeah. on with him fine. But the director was a, a, a young, you know, I don't know what he was doing. He didn't seem particularly interested in directing. Um, and, it, and it was one of those unfortunate things. Just a f- very final question, Mark. Um, you're working with Christopher Nolan as well, going from yeah. Steven Spielberg to Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, what kind of character are you playing in that? Gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say. Okay. But okay. I'll tell you that Chris is the most serious and uh, interesting filmmaker. You know, and he's the, this is his war film. Every every we were talking the other day. I think Killian Murphy and I were talking about it. That every great film director at some moment makes a war film, but I think Chris's Chris's script writing is so his use of plots and things is so brilliant that I I think he's got the potential to make a very very uh, powerful uh, and simple, pure war film about a really about um, a retreat, a loss, um, a miraculous loss. So, so it's 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 an exciting project to work on, and because he films everything, there's no CGI. Everything is has to be created in front of the IMAX camera, which is being held on the shoulder by Heute, this massive weight being held every day it, I mean it's fascinating to watch yeah. amazing I can't wait oh yeah I think it has the potential who knows how films end up but uh, the script and the way it's being made it has the potential to be a, just a marvellous film fantastic Mark Rylance thank you so much for joining us my pleasure thank, thank you. you good questions okay so Mark Rylance I did a press conference actually I moderated a press conference with him yesterday and um uh, some other people, Ruby Barnhill from the BFG and Rebecca Hall and wow, Penelope wow. Wilton and, um, oh, hang on. Oh, Steven Spielberg. Oh my God, oh, you dropped something. Oh, oh, oh wait a second. That, is, that is name has gone all over the floor. <laughs> oh. My keys. oh, no, it's Steven Spielberg's name. Um, and I sat next to Rylan Swart and um, he's a lovely, soft-spoken guy and I really got a sense from him, not that we were hanging out or anything, but I got, really got a sense from him that he's quietly bemused by this stage of his career. Because <laughs> he... I, don't know. I don't know that they do press conferences for big plays, and they certainly don't do press conferences for things like Wolf Hall. Mm-hmm. So all this, this idea of being shepherded into a room in front of the world's press and having people ask innocuous questions of you for twenty minutes, which is basically <laughs> what happens yes. in these things. He had a smile on his face all the way through, as if to say, "This is this is mad. This is mad, but quite fun." Yeah. He actually expressed a little bit of this. You know, at the end we had we wrapped it up, and he went, "Oh." That, 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 that was over very quickly. Uh, could have gone on for a little longer. 
So oh. he's at he's almost new to this sort of thing. It's a, it's really interesting. He's a, he's a very lovely, very very softly spoken guy. What a fella. We'll review the BFG on next week's show Yay. along with uh, Star Trek Beyond. And there is a Ghostbusters spoiler special coming out this week. So let's talk about Ghostbusters. Yes. Um, without uh, spoilers. Without spoilers. Opened last week in the UK, opened at the uh, in the States over the weekend and did... Uh, we, I think we could say pretty much now we can we can guess how it's going to do. It's going to do pretty well, forty million there thereabouts. You know, which is which is good. Very solid, yeah. Very solid, not you know record breaking, but yeah. yeah, but but good. Um, and the film itself. So this is the most controversial film of the year, <laughs> ridiculously. Uh, but it is because Paul Feig had the temerity to remake this movie, this classic nineteen eighty four comedy uh, with an all female cast, well, with all female mm-hmm. leads. Mm-hmm. Not all female cast. No. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, as we know, just to recap, some people were unhappy about this. But now we've seen the movie. And what do we think of the movie itself? Um, yeah, it's an unusual remake in that it's in some ways quite slavish to the original. You know, a lot of the kind of iconic locations, the iconic vehicle, um, you know, the, the logo are all there and present and correct. But it's not the same characters, um, you know, the, not the same names, which is fairly unusual for this kind of film. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have not taken the storyline whole. They don't have the same villain. They don't have the same kind of monsters, although there are some kind of uh, homages and yeah. nods to, to those characters. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting approach. And I think for the most part, it pays off and, and that it's close enough without being, sometimes too close, without being slavish and without trying to redo something that really was lightning in a bottle, I think in 1984 with, with, with those guys. But I think what, what Paul Feig has brilliantly done is to find four comedians, four incredibly gifted comedians who can work together and give you the sense of being a team together in the same way that those guys did. Um, partly because they have a very similar background. They're all, well, three of them are Saturday Night Live alumni. Um, they've come from that show. They're mm-hmm. used to working together. They're used to kind of thinking on their feet together. And they've come up with some some improvised moments of, of great skill and great entertainment, as have people who are not from that improvisational back, background, notably Chris Hemsworth as their enormously stupid secretary, Kevin. Um so it's 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 an impressive piece of comedy engineering, but but the story is you know I'm I'm not sort of dwelling too much on the plot because the, the plot is very s- similar to what you've seen in the past. Um, some scientists discover uh, new ways of of measuring ghostly activity. They uh, find new ways of combating ghosts and trying to capture them for study in the lab, which actually becomes a way of say ghost busting, bringing these ghosts away from the places that they are infesting and haunting, and taking them into captivity. It is interesting. Because in the original movie, there was no sense at all that they were taking the ghosts for study. They no, were literally no. just busting ghosts. They were literally just busting ghosts. And actually, so this, it's, I think that's a little tiny logical improvement, yeah. actually, it's if like you think about yourself, it. Ask yourself, why? Why are you doing this? And no one ever really asks that question of Ghostbusters. Why do we bust ghosts? Why do we? And why, we do it well, clearly, but why are we, why are we storing them? Why are we doing them? this? Why are we storing the ghosts? They really haven't thought this through. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it, you know that that all I think is pretty pretty successful. Um, you're going to have uh, some things to say I know about Melissa McCarthy's character, um, but for yeah. the most part, you know they're a pretty funny gang. They they get a lot to do together, um, and and I think their chemistry is pretty pretty solid. Yeah, I I, I had a blast with this movie. I, I, I one thing I'm going to say, very very first thing I'm going to say before I get into anything else is that I saw this movie in 3D. I didn't want to see it in 3D, but it was the only screening I could get. And you know that I am anti 3D. I've mm-hmm. been saying it on the podcast for a long, long time. I, it just it, it screws my eyes up and I don't like it. 
Have you seen this in 3D? No, I was 3D is fantastic. It's oh. probably the best use of 3D I've seen in the mainstream movie since Avatar. And I'm not kidding. It is wonderful. It's playful. Mm-hmm. It's clear. Uh, it's you have things. What, what he does is um, Paul Fig. He uh, the, the 3D the 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 objects within the frame rupture outside the the uh, the, the black bars at the Ooh. top and bottom of the screen. They they always rupture outside the frame. So when they're shooting when they're shooting the streams, the streams will spill out and fizz into the black bars at the top and bottom of the screen. And you have a lot of things jumping out at you. It's really inventive, really clever, really playful, and really fun. So uh, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but if you can see this movie in 3D, go and see it in 3D. It's really great. Wow. Um, it's also very, very funny. Um, I do think it tails off a lot towards the end and it becomes a bit of a special effects show. Um, but it made me laugh a lot consistently. Yeah, yeah. Mike, I don't really have a beef per se with Melissa McCarthy's character in this. I know that she turned down the role uh, that, that um, Leslie Jones takes mm-hmm. that took in, in the movie. Uh, so it's a very bolshy, sharp-talking, uh, uh, no-holds-barred uh, MTA worker in New York. And she maybe felt that she'd played that type a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder, maybe in the, re- in the scramble to recalibrate her role within the Ghostbusters, they maybe missed off some edge. I do feel that she and the Kristen Wiig characters are a little bit interchangeable, but I do love their chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a really nice friendship strain running through the movie. Chris Hemsworth is fantastic. Uh, and uh, Kate McKinnon, this is a, a I, I would hope best. a star making performance from yeah. her. Uh, she is great. She's really, really great. She's if you check out on YouTube her SNL uh, sketches, a lot of SNL sketches. She's so good now, so uh, do check those out. Uh, she's really, really funny in this as Holtzman, who's the kind of eccentric of the group. Yes, and uh, everything she does is gifable. It's it's great. <laughs> um, I liked it a lot. Reservations. I think you liked it with reservations, yeah. and we liked it with but, reservations. But I had a lot of fun, and so you know, yeah. it's. Which is good, which is kind of a relief because I, I kind of wanted its critics to be wrong, I'll be honest. But at the same time, I, I, I genuinely laughed a lot throughout mm. this movie. And frankly, what more can you ask of a summer blockbuster, you know? Absolutely. So, um, our summer comedy blockbuster, especially. We get into, well, obviously, there's a supporter special that comes out this week. We get into our, our, our problems with the movie in a little bit more detail. So, do check that out if yeah. you fancy it. Uh, and it's three stars for Ghostbusters. It's three stars. Which is, of course, a recommendation. And uh, very, very sorry to cut this as short as we're going to cut it, but there are a couple of other releases out this week. There's Men and Chicken, which is Mads Mikkelsen running around in cricket shorts or cricket <laughs> trousers and... Badminton shorts, even Badminton worse, shorts, yes. yeah. Um, it's an Anders Thomas Jensen, uh, very surreal Danish kind of comedy, mostly comedy drama. Um, it's extremely weird. Uh, I could compare it to a couple of films, but that would sort of give away the twists, so I won't. But the Shining so- <laughs> and Alien. <laughs> no, not quite. Well, closer than it really should be won't um, go over the cuckoo's nest and Wimbledon also sh- closer than it could, should be Chris stop there too far okay and Star Trek into darkness okay finally you've moved away finally <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it is it's it's you know gorgeous looking it looks like nothing else it's uh, except also very ugly um, it's uh, <laughs> it's really interesting it's fantastically funny just awful person performance from Mads Mikkelsen he like he has the world's worst day in, in sort of one of the opening scenes it, it will make you cringe but it is uh, very very entertaining so yeah if you're, if you're into something surreal that's one to see uh, four stars four stars then for Men and Chicken mm-hmm. which I guess makes it the film of the week yeah I guess it does. I mean, only for only for the people who like that sort of thing. I'll be honest. If you like that yeah. sort of thing, if you like Mads Mikkelsen being mad, 
then go and check it out. And <laughs> there you it. go. And then uh, very, very quickly, sadly, is Keanu, uh, which is, and I screwed this up yesterday when we did that sort of live podcast. I get this right. Key and Peel. Key and Peels. Not big screen debut because uh, those guys are very, very funny uh, sketch duo in the States. Uh, and they've been in movies uh, over the last few years, particularly Keegan-Michael Key. He's yes. been in more than Jordan Peele. Uh, but they're together. This is their first movie together, breaking out. And they play two guys who get in way over their head uh, when they get involved with a very, very cute kitten. A cute kitten turns up on the doorstep or the doorstep of uh, Jordan Peele's character. Um, and they, they name the kitten Keanu. The, the kitten turns out to belong to one of the baddest gangsters no. in the city. And so they get involved it's a, a, a way over their heads in the situation when they have to pretend to be a, a pair of hitmen uh, in order to try and get the kitten back. And it all escalates and gets, uh, gets uh, out of control. It's a very, very funny opening hour to this movie. I laughed a lot at this one. I thought, oh, this could, this could, be, this could be one of the great unsung gems of the year. This is mm-hmm. something I wasn't expecting. It's fantastic. And the chemistry between the two of them is great. Uh, it does sadly go off the rails into kind of generic action movie cliche stuff towards the end. It forgets, be, it forgets to be funny and tries to be cool. And that's a bit of a shame. But it does have some very, very funny moments. There's a great riff on George Michael's uh, faith all the way through. And George Michael, in fact. Uh, so it's a bit of a renaissance for George Michael this year. What with Deadpool and this. Um, and like I say, they're great together. The kitten is very, very cute. And has some very interesting things to say about race in America as well. The kitten is, does. The kitten. The kitten <laughs> does. The kitten does not speak, sadly. Oh. But yeah. Key and Peel. Oh, okay. Yes, I understand. Uh, so, yeah, three stars as well for Keanu. Awesome. Uh, I, I, I liked it. Which liked is it. a recommendation. It is a recommendation. Uh, is that it? Uh, finally, Ice Age uh, Collision Course, which, you know, they've already done a lot of damage to archaeology, paleontology, um, just ancient prehistory. Yeah, all the ologies. Um, And they now add astrophysics to their list of uh, war crimes. Um, So it makes no sense. It's extremely loud and not very clever. Um, But, uh, you know, I mean, little kids might still like it, but everyone else will struggle. I'll be honest. Two stars for that. Everyone else will struggle. Two stars for Ice Age. Uh, And that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Impromptu Empire Podcast brought to you on a portable recorder in a very quiet room here at the X for Star Wars Celebration Europe 2016 still I hope you enjoyed it yes. um, we should do this more often and yeah. maybe bring some more colleagues of Lethal Connie in yeah. who knows Who knows? Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for some, some specials the Star Trek 50th anniversary special is out now Ghostbusters will be out next week Star Trek Beyond Spoiler Special with Justin Lin and Simon Pegg will be out the week after next I think I'm losing track it's, it's a lot it's right very now, confusing man. what's happening at the moment but there's a lot of podcasts and of course the regular podcast is back next Friday Guaranteed at the normal one hundred percent normal time, which is any time between twelve <laughs> twelve noon and twelve midnight. Um, join us then for more formulated fun uh, when we'll be joined by Star Trek people. Yay! Lots of them. Woohoo! Do you want me to say who they are? Sure. Chris Pine, <gasps> Zachary Quinto, Ooh. Sophia Batella, John Cho, Ah, Carl Urban. Mm. <laughs> all of them. All of them. On the same podcast. That is going to be some film-related fun right oh, there. Oh, yeah. Be me down. Be me anywhere. That's going to be... Uh, well, no, no not, that not in that wrong. way. Anyway, oh, on boy. that bombshell, on that bombshell, uh, until then, it is goodbye from Helen. To Lou. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to go on the, on the uh, convention floor and flash the Falcon salute at people and see how long I can last without being beaten oh, up. Oh, my God, you're going to hurt so bad. Live long and prosper, Helen. <laughs> Live long and prosper. May the force be with you, Chris. I value my life. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.